Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. So why the IRS wants to know about your crypto. Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. The IRS might just be coming after your crypto, or at least the part they want taxes on. IRS expert and Prudent Money contributor Dan Pilla is here to weigh in. Dan, always good to talk to you. Hey, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Bob. Thanks for having me. You know, it's interesting, Dan. I have a whole list of things I always want to talk to you about in crypto was always kind of on the bottom, and it would kind of creep up a little bit. We never got to it, but today we're going to talk about it because it seems like the IRS is going full uh, full uh, efforts uh, uh, after crypto investors to, to uh, find out what they're doing, how they're doing it, and most importantly, if they're paying taxes. Yeah, there's no question about it. It's a, it's a high-risk issue as far as the IRS is concerned, Bob. Uh, it is on the top of their list as far as enforcement initiatives are concerned. As a matter of fact, Bob, the, the, the IRS issued its strategic operating plan uh, last May. It came out, so just a couple of months ago, and this is the plan that the IRS put together and how they're going to spend the $80 billion, It was cut down to, to, to $60 billion that was granted by the Inflation Reduction Act, and they put out a, a whole battle plan, if you will, uh, laying out the strategy that they're going to use is about 90% of that money is going to be spent on enforcement. And the IRS identified nine enforcement areas, Bob, that they're going to pay attention to. And crypto is uh, seven enforcement areas that they're going to pay attention to. And crypto is one of the seven. So this is a, this is a high, uh, a high risk area as far as they're concerned. They're, 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 they're looking at it carefully. They have been looking at it carefully for years, and they're going to continue to drill into it very deeply. Now, let's take a couple steps back just to make sure that everybody in the audience who's listening knows when we say crypto, what are we talking about? We're talking about digital currency, Bob, any form of digital currency. Uh, there's all kinds of them out there now. The whole thing was started with Bitcoin, uh, but there's dozens of different virtual, uh, vir- virtual currencies out there now that people use to invest in and they use to buy and sell with in some cases. And those crypto assets are considered uh, capital assets by the IRS. And so anytime you buy an asset at one price and sell it at another, you either have a capital gain or a capital loss. And the simple fact that you have this in digital form doesn't change the fact that it is a a capital asset and b there are tax consequences to the transaction and they have to be reported bob and and people i think a lot of people don't understand this now is this the same situation as we've talked about many times in the past how the irs is going after wealthy people what they call wealthy people and uh, they're they're claiming that all you know all wealthy people are cheating the system is this the same type of deal that uh, all crypto investors are, are cheating the system, or is this is kind of an overblown subject. Oh, oh 
Oh no, that that's 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 most certainly their belief, Bob. There's no question about that. The 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 IRS's attitude is set forth in the, in the literature that has talked about crypto over the years, and and there's no question about the fact that they believe that the, that the cryptocurrency trading environment is is a at a high risk for tax evasion and tax fraud. Uh, and when I say high risk, it means that it is it, it is a, a, an area where there where the IRS believes there is acute acute non-compliance. Right, so people are not reporting their transactions; they're not reporting the ownership of crypto to the extent that they're required to do so. Not everybody's required. You're not required to just simply report ownership. You're required to report trades. Okay, so if you acquire trip, uh, crypto in 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 some manner or another, you might not necessarily have to report that acquisition. If you, for example, if you just go out and buy it as an investment, but but it's the trading process that creates the tax consequences, and and so people don't understand this. People think that the crypto. A lot of people think, and and when I say tax fraud, okay, that's the IRS's. That's the IRS's language. They use the word tax fraud. But the fact of the matter is what we're dealing with here is an area of, of, of great misunderstanding. The average person does not understand, does not realize the tax consequences of trading in crypto. So the average person is not setting out to, to evade or defraud the IRS. But but certainly there are there are people out there that are trading at a high level that are using international means to do so. For example, that that might be engaged in tax fraud or evasion. Uh, but the IRS paints everybody with the same brush, and 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 you can't paint everybody with the same brush. But that's easy for me to say. Hey, you know, I'm not the one with the paintbrush in my hand. So <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. fact of the matter is that that IRS believes this is a, an area of, of 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 substantial risk for tax fraud and evasion. It's really interesting to me because I was reading your article in the National Review and uh, you talked about a John Doe summons. And, and the first thing that kind of that was used, and I, I want you to elaborate on that in a second. But what's interesting to me is that it, it just seems like the IRS being as all powerful as they are, that they wouldn't have to go to these extents to get information. Well, except that is one of the one of the tentacles of power that they have, Bob, is the ability to use this John Doe summons to quite literally, in, in every sense of the word, Bob, quite literally go on a fishing expedition. The tax code allows the IRS to issue a summons against an unknown person or an unknown group of persons, and they issue that summons to a third party like a bank or a mortgage company or maybe a large corporation. In this particular case, you're talking about my article on National Review, the IRS issued a summons to uh, one of the main uh, crypto trading platforms in the world. Uh, Kraken is, is, is one of the biggest crypto currency trading platforms that there are, that there is out there in the, in the world. And so the IRS issued a summons to that corporation seeking the records it has on U.S. citizens trading cryptocurrencies on their platform. So the, the law that allows for this uses the word canvas. The IRS is allowed to canvas 
the area. Uh, area is undefined. All right, it's just it just could be the entire world. In this case, it essentially was well, was the entire world with this U.S. based corporation. Now they don't have the power to issue a summons on a on a foreign corporation like a foreign bank, for example. But anybody that's within the jurisdiction of the United States, whether it's an individual business corporation, any structure whatsoever, is subject to getting one of these summonses. And so uh, and so the summons allows the IRS to quite literally fish for information. And of course, this particular corporation challenged the summons in court. They challenged it on a, on a number of reasons, a uh, number of grounds, uh, not the least of which was privacy issues. And the court ordered the summons enforced. In other words, ordered that this company provide to the IRS the information it was seeking about U.S. citizens and their trading activities on this particular platform. So the IRS is going to get tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of of uh, of of uh, batches of records concerning the trades of U.S. citizens, and they're going to use that information, Bob, to then start audits against uh, some or all of those people, depending on the nature of the trades and the scope of the of the trades, and so on. If somebody trades a single crypto. Uh, cryptocurrency, you know, worth, uh, let, let's say, just say $50 and they trade one, they're probably not going to be high on the audit list. But somebody who's changing, who's trading thousands of dollars worth or, or tens or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth certainly is going to be on the list of people that the IRS is going to scrutinize going forward. And they've got a massive list, Bob. As I said, this summons was enforced. IRS will get the information. They're going to get the information to, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in in fairly short order here, if they don't already have it, uh, and and they're going to start sifting through that data and following up with taxpayers. You know, it's it's interesting because some of these uh, people who are trying to commit fraud probably look at it as how oh, this almost slipped this one by the IRS. But uh, when they are focused in on you, you're it's a dangerous uh, dangerous assumption to be making. Yeah, it really is, and and people just don't realize the scope of of investigative ability that the IRS has. You know, in, in any other area of law, Bob, in order for the in order for the law enforcement agency to, to get records from a bank, for example, they have to issue a warrant. Uh, the warrant has to be issued by a court. The court is not going to issue the warrant unless there's probable cause, which means there's got to be a an affidavit from law enforcement officers saying that there's uh, that they have they have good reason to believe that a crime was committed and they've got good reason to believe that there's evidence of this crime that's held up in this building or this bank account or, you know, whatever, right? Whatever they're going to search, they need that warrant. They need probable cause to get the warrant. The IRS does not need probable cause. They, they don't need probable cause. All they have to have is is, is, an, is an investigation that, that falls under the scope of the Internal Revenue Code, and they, all they have to show to a court is that the uh, is that the summons was issued in good faith, in, in in pursuance of that investigation, and 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 that's it, man. It's just there's next to no burden of proof that they have to establish in order to get get that summons enforced and get those records. It's a very very thin burden of proof. There's just and and, and you know people who think they've got privacy in connection with. Uh, records that are held by third-party individuals or companies, you know, you're just dreaming. I'll just tell you right now, you're you dreaming. Are dreaming. There is no such there is no such privacy. Let's talk a little bit in, in that article. You also mentioned that the IRS has identified six ways that a crypto investor could li- be liable for taxes. You and I talked about this in the past. Uh, someone has crypto and they they make a transaction. They pay for something with it. 
they very well could create a taxable event and not even know it. But what, what are some of the other ways that are a little bit, maybe a little bit harder to define? Well, let, let, let's start with the simple stuff where, where most people are, are just very, very confused. Uh, n- num- number, number one on the list, Bob, is something I alluded to earlier, and that is uh, when, you, when you buy crypto at one price and sell it for another, you might have, you might have a capital gain. For example, if you, if you buy a coin for $50 and you sell that coin for $55, You've got a $5 capital gain. And that, ca- that capital gain is either taxes long term or short term, depending on how you held it. If you buy the coin for $50 and sell it for 40 now you've got a capital loss. And that capital loss can impact other income and other capital gains. And so that has to be taken into account. If, if you're, if you're a wage earner, Bob, let's say you're working for a company. And that company pays you with crypto, which is happening now these days, mm, right. right? So people, let, let, let's say, let's say the company pays you two thousand dollars a month in, in regular, regular, you know, with a check, U.S. U.S. Uh, dollar, uh, a check drawn on a bank denominated in U.S. dollars, and they pay another two thousand dollars in crypto. Well, the, the fair market value of that cryptocurrency, when when it when you receive it in exchange for goods and services, is taxable income. All right, so if you get $2,000 worth of crypto in, in exchange for your services to a company, that is in, income to the employee and has to be reported on their tax return like wage income. All right, and, 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 and so and let's, let's just say you're self-employed. And here's another, another variation of the same concept. As a self-employed person, let's just say you're an accountant and, and you do accounting for, uh, for, 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 for the general public. And you got a small businessman that comes to you and says, uh, you know, I need my books and records kept and I need my profit and loss statements done and I need my uh, estimated taxes uh, handled and I need my tax return done at the end of the year. And you, you know, Mr. CPA, Ms. CPA, will you do that for me? And Ms. CPA says, yeah, I'm happy to. And the guy says, can I pay you in crypto? And she says, sure, pay me $1,000 a month in crypto and I'll do all this work for you. Well, the fair market value of that crypto when she receives it is is ordinary self-employment income, all right? You exchanged services for goods, those goods being cryptocurrency, you have income equal to the fair mar- market value of the crypto when the, on the date of receipt. And, and, and so, you know, here's some common examples, Bob, of, of, uh, of, of how people don't realize that this stuff might be, might, might be, uh, might be taxable. Here, here's another example. You know, you got your crypto account. And, and, and people use their electronic cards to trade on the crypto account, right? We see that happening all the time. So, so, so a guy goes up to, uh, goes up to Burger King, for example. Now, I don't know if Burger King accepts these kinds of trades, but there are more and more businesses that accept these every day. So you buy a $3 hamburger with your crypto card. You have sold crypto in order to buy that hamburger. The sale of the crypto, Bob, at that point in time, could create a capital gain or loss, right? So it's not like writing a check out of your bank account. The check out of the bank account is denominated in U.S. dollars. You don't have a capital gain on the trade of U.S. dollars between dollars and, and goods and services, right? The dollar is the measure of the, of the income. 
But the crypto is not a dollar. It's a capital asset. And so pe- people are getting, getting lost in this stuff. And it, and it's, and it's a very serious problem. Now there's an, there's another side to the coin here that's very problematical for, for, for potentially for businesses. If you're a business and you're paying your employees in crypto, <laughs> not only is that income to the employee, but that oh, is the payment of wages subject to self-employment tariffs, yes. subject to employment taxes. Bob. Sure. Sure. I mean, it just, it goes on and on here. <laughs> well, you know, what just, what just dawned on me is as you're going through, through all of this, what you got to consider, uh, unbelievable, is that really, if you're using crypto, you got to look at it from the standpoint of there are two transactions taking place. One on the crypto, one on whatever you're buying and selling. And, uh, that's just a little tough to get your head around. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it really is. And, and uh, particularly, when people think, well, all of this is private and that's the whole, that's oh, the whole yeah. advantage of crypto in the first place and nobody's ever going to know. And what difference does it make what I buy and sell it for? Why, why does it matter? It's, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all hidden anyway. It, it just isn't. It just simply is not hidden. <laughs> well, let's, not. let's take the, uh, let's take the individual who is trying to do the right thing, wants to make sure that they're paying their taxes, wants to make sure the reporting is right. Uh, my assumption would be, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that these exchanges don't make it real easy to gather the correct information. If that is that probably well, true? No, I don't think that's true at all, Bob. And in fact, in fact, most of these, well, two things. First of all, most of these companies provide pretty comparable. When I say most, the, the the handful that I've seen now, now there's dozens of companies out there, right? There's dozens of trading platforms out there. I've only seen three or four of them, right? the paperwork related to three or four of them. But the paperwork that I've seen from these three or four trading companies is pretty comprehensive and does make it pretty simple for you to do the reporting. All right. So, 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 so there's, there's that. And, and that, you know, that is for sure. But now the recipient of that documentation has to know what to do with it, which is a whole, you know, that's a whole yes. other, a whole other question. Now there's another aspect here as well. And that is, well, I believe it was the Inflation Reduction Act was passed by Congress, put all kinds of reporting requirements on these crypto trading houses, right? So they have responsibilities to report to the IRS and to the taxpayer, just like any other, uh, just like any other investment platform, whether it's a mutual fund, a, you know, a, a, a stock brokerage house, whatever it is. You, you're, you're familiar with that paperwork. You know that stuff mm-hmm. better than I do. And, and, and the, the fact that the matter is that these trading companies are going to be are required to issue the same kind of paperwork to people now. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Uh, IRS expert Dan Pillow is with me today. We're talking a little bit of crypto and uh, what the IRS makes makes wants to make sure that you know as far as the tax liabilities that could be. Uh, going along with some of the transactions you're making. If you want more information on Dan, taxhelponline.com is the website to go to. Great website. And uh, if there is not a, tra- a tax problem that he has not tackled. And uh, one of his many, many books on the very easy-to-read books, by the way, uh, on the website uh, could be something that could be of help. So go check it out at taxhelponline.com. So let me ask you this, Dan. Of course, it's it's a little bit late, I would think, for a CPA to be up the curve on this because it's been going on for a couple of years. But uh, what what has the CPA community done to to 
get ready for, okay, this is my clients are, are doing this and it's and now we've got to make sure that we're, we're reporting and doing the, the, the accounting correctly. Well, the circles that I run in, Bob, we're, 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 we've been up to speed on this. We've had, in fact, for my tax professional organization, uh, Taxpayer Defense Institute, we've got about 95 or 100 law and accounting firms that lean on me for continuing education. I've been doing, uh, seminars on this, uh, for, for, for our professional group and writing articles, not unlike the article that you've just, that you saw in National Review, but I do a lot more technical articles for the tax professionals. So, so, I, and I'm not alone. The professional community has been keeping up on this. And, and, and I would say the garden variety tax professional does know the responsibility to report crypto transactions, uh, you know, when, when you're buying and selling and trading in, in crypto. I, I would say that generally speaking, they do know that. So let me ask you this: What should you, as a as an investor, as a taxpayer, should you take extra steps to make sure that you o- kind of over communicate what has happened? With is that, is that even necessary? Well, I don't think extra steps are necessary. I think the basic steps are what are required. Uh, investors need to know. Here, here's the key thing. Investors need to know, Jane and Joe America that are buying these crypto assets need to know that as far as the IRS is concerned, they are treated just like any other asset. Mm. Think of your crypto transactions as buying and selling a stock. Yes. Right? If you buy the stock for one price and sell it for another, you've got either a capital gain or a capital loss. If you trade the stock for goods and services, you're going to have a capital gain or loss. If you receive the stock in exchange for goods and services, you got ordinary income based on the fair market value at the time of the transaction. That's what you need to understand. This stuff is treated as property, not money. That's the key. So let's talk about a situation where someone's listening and, and uh, just realize, wow, you know, a couple of years ago or even last year, I didn't report the crypt, my crypto uh, transactions like I should have. What, what steps do you take at this point? Well, the first thing we want to do is analyze what, what the risk is and, and figure out, figure out if it's, if it's appropriate to do an amended return. Uh, you have, you have three years from the date the tax return is filed in which to amend it. After three years, you can't amend it. And after three years, the IRS can't audit it. Now, there are exceptions to the three-year rule, and the first exception would be if you underreported your total income, not income from the trade, but total income, including income from the trade, by more than 25%, then the three-year rule goes to six years, and then we have to look at it a little differently. If we're talking about massive amounts of unreported income and there's a potential for fraud involved, then, then we have to analyze what, what, the, uh, what the steps would be. But the very, very first thing to consider is amending the return to report the income. Very, uh, very important that, that you get this right if you are dealing with crypto and making sure that the IR, you and the IRS are on the same page. A lot, a lot to know, Dan, and uh, always appreciate you coming on the program, and uh, we'll uh, talk with you next week. All right. It's my pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I tell you what, I consider myself very blessed to get the opportunity to talk with Dan and share with you what uh, Dan Pillen knows about the IRS. There's probably not anybody more qualified and uh, has the information rolling around in his brain like like Dan does when I've been uh, I've known Dan now for over 20 years and I've done seminars with him all kinds of radio shows every year with him and it always amazes me what he what he knows and understands. Want to make sure that you know about his website, taxhelponline.com. 
And I think, uh, you know, if there's any kind of problems that you're having with the IRS, one of his many, many, I think he's got 14 or 15 books now, uh, will help you understand what the steps you need to take. And everything is very step-driven in these books, which makes it easier to understand. His latest book is The Small Business Tax Guide. And if you are in business for yourself, this is what you need to be reading in order to say, to, to uh, know how to stay in compliant with what the IRS wants. And if you have a problem, this, as a small business owner, this particular book's gonna address it. So that's all at the website, taxhelponline.com. And, uh, you'll also find a lot of free information. That's one of the things I love about Dan. He's always willing to give of his time. I've noticed on social media that he's done a lot of uh, small videos of uh, tax, tax tips and tax, uh, strategies and uh, all kinds of things. So you can get any information that you want to on Dan and about his books and free information on the site, taxhelponline.com. This is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentbunny.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money. Prudent.